Yeah. Uh, love that new jingle. I still really am enamored with it. Thank you, Robert Reynolds and Ernie Halter. It sets the bar awfully high for us. You know, it really theme does. Song like that. Like, I know. We've got to keep the energy high. Well, and guess what? We have to boogie through this opening because we have so much good stuff today that there's no time for us. All right. So no who are you? No time for BS. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Welcome to the Green Divas Radio Show. I am Green Diva Meg. And I am Green Dude Paul. Just in case you didn't know. Just in case we forgot to tell you. Which I was about to. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. No problem. That's why they pay me the big bucks. So we have so much exciting stuff going on today. But before we say anything, I want to thank our wonderful sponsors, BuyGreen.com, Doug Farquhar. I finally met him. Wow. Yeah, years. We've been working together. And he's really been not only a sponsor, but a fan of the show, a really um, devoted fan. Great website. He's got really terrific what a nice man. For identifying what a nice products. man. And we had such a nice, we had a three hour lunch in Laguna Beach. Oh, uh, that's rough. That's it was rough. Right, right. It's, it's okay. We were holding down New Jersey here. Well, my husband and I are trying to figure out how we can spend a month working out there next year. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. I can work like that. I can do that. So thank you, Doug. And Smarty Marty's Rent a Rec, which is based here in New Jersey, has several locations. And I love that his new, you know, what he's saying is they rent a recycled car. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like almost new. And I know that for a fact because I rented one and you really had no idea it was. You wasn't. were styling. Yeah. I, I know. And that cute little car. Mm-hmm. But he also has trucks in, in several locations here in New Jersey. Um, you can go to thegreendivas.com and up in the right corner you'll see Smarty Marty's rent a rec Click on that to find out. A location near you, and if you're not in New Jersey, there are locations everywhere. There we go. So, okay. Okay, you ready? This is quite a show. Will Potter, he's an amazing journalist and activist who um, wrote a book called Green is the New Red, which is talking about how um, environmentalists are being um, kind of tagged in the Homeland Security yeah. thing as terrorists. Yeah, the subtitle is an insider's account of the social of a social movement under siege, and it, it's both really interesting, eye-opening, a little scary for those of us that consider ourselves to be activists. I've seen some of these plot lines on TV shows, and I thought it was kind of a joke. I didn't realize it was kind of real. How real it is, yeah. Ah. And we're introducing today our new health and beauty segment with Kate Bartolotta, who's our first health and beauty uh, green diva calling in today, talking about... uh, Oil cleansing our face uh, and how to make a DIY. Sounds manly. It, I know, right? I know that's funny. And then we have a foodie file with Becky Streepy, all about her upcoming book, Bowls. And that will be very yummy and interesting. And we have a Green Dude segment with Ed Brown about what's coming up for his fabulous film, Unacceptable Levels. And he's got an opening. Oh, yeah. There's all the pre-screenings happening now and the, uh, the nationwide premiere on May 9th. And, of course, we have a Green Divas My Earth 360 with Green Diva Lynn Hasselberger. All the things you need to know. Stay tuned. More coming oh, up. boy. Want to understand what climate change is really all about? Want to get the latest in environmental news? Listen to the Green Divas My Earth 360 report to keep up with everything you need to know. Hello, GD Lynn. Hey, Green Diva Meg. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Happy spring, man. Yeah. I think uh, it's... I actually saw some flowers the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see my... I, I made... I, I don't know why I'm digressing. I guess I don't want to talk about the uh, weather 
Every, okay. <laughs> every time. I notice that every time we start out, it's like, so how's we the weather in Chicago? Don't yeah, anyway, so <laughs> you saw my uh, my protein shake this morning, right? My purple. Yeah. I know. Eco Karen wrote, even your, uh, even your smoothies are purple, because I do have a thing for purple. Did you happen to see that I also had an Instagram photo about my smoothie this morning? I think I did, and yours was like a beautiful fuchsia. Yeah. If we're talking yeah, colors. I put a whole bead in there. Wow. An entire beet. A whole beet? Yeah. <laughs> was it tasty? It was delicious. Well, I'll tell you. I will post the recipe. Kate Bartolotta would be proud of you. I know. So what's happening in Earth News today? What is happening? Uh, well, some interesting things. Uh, scientists have discovered a previously unknown type of methane-producing microbe in the thawing permafrost. Oh, oh no, that's not good. Yeah, these microbes haven't really been a problem until now. Um, as the climate warms, of course, permafrost thaws. Right. And we've heard a lot of talk about permafrost releasing methane, but they didn't know about these particular microbes. These love... These microbes apparently love the melting permafrost so much that it blooms in a similar way to algal blooms. Right, like a yeah, right, exactly. They just proliferate like like mini miniature rabbits going all over the place. Oh man! Um, so it's a previously unknown unknown phenomenon. Oh goody! And since methane is a byproduct of their metabolism. They're saying it will have significant environmental consequences. Oh, so okay. So not only is the bummer. permafrost probably is is are they hastening the destruction of the not so permanent permafrost as well? These microbes are they making permafrost yeah. off faster because of that? Yeah, that's what I'm just curious. Well, I suppose it becomes a vicious circle if they're releasing yeah. the methane. Then that's more right. That just in, causes more of a problem. And what for and what did you call? Met you, we were discussing um, discussing this oh, before. Oh yeah, methane <laughs> is uh, CO 2s ugly stepsister. If I could only talk today, we'd be in good shape. <laughs> the, the ugly stepsister. I'm stumbling over my words. Thumbelina. As ugly I try to step-sister. talk about so many things that happen in the environment. Well, uh, anyway, it, it is. It is. Yeah. So we, it, and then we got, we, we got also sidetracked talking about methane, about cows farting and stuff like that. Yes. <laughs> well, and people do too, but I guess yeah. it's not as much of a problem. Apparently not. Livestock. Uh, methane happens to be the second most prevalent greenhouse gas emitted in the U.S. from human activities. Oh. It's a natural gas, so if they could harvest it, kind of, they could turn it into energy. Do you There's know I some used technology out there that they're kind of working on for that? Well, I used to have a bumper sticker back in the '80s that said "Save gas, fart in a jar." <laughs> I thought it was funny because I'm like, you That's know, little great. Miss Potty humor over here. But um, anyway, some people thought it was funny, some people didn't. But that is hilarious. We, we did, and like we were both doing a little research before our segment today, and and we saw like there there's some Argentinian folks that are come up with a way to capture a cow's farts and actually create usable, um, you know, energy, a bioenergy from it. Yeah, they've got those backpacks they put on the back <laughs> of these things. 
and I think they have to light a flame. Yeah. Which that I don't. It would be like uh, like the Chicago Fire all over again if they're not careful. <laughs> The whole thing uh, just has so many. I remember reading about this <laughs> years ago. It was a few years ago that they were kind of working on this kind of technology in England, and I thought only the British could figure out how to, you know, utilize cow's gas. Yeah, well, and they have these manure digesters. That's yeah. That's a whole other ballgame. But um, that can convert manure into energy. Right. So that's pretty cool. And the manure, that's different from, you know, the belching and the... right. The flatulence. Oh my gosh, what fun we're having! Oh yes. So it's always at, good to talk about those so, things. So at least people are trying to be innovative, right? That's that's encouraging. Yeah, that's what counts. All right. Uh, and it's important because methane is the second most prevalent greenhouse gas, and I already said that, so I'm just yeah. repeating myself. Underscore. Because it's so important. It, it is. It is. <laughs> Um, well, and 18 percent of the greenhouse emissions come from the belches of livestock around the world. And belch is also a euphemism. Yeah, I noticed in, in the articles that they were trying to be, some of them were polite, some of them weren't. Like the right. BBC had a pretty funny one about, and they used the word fart. Well, we'll post some of that on uh, the, a couple of the videos that yeah. we stumbled across. Yeah, the BBC about. video was pretty informative. Yeah. Um, so, so what else is going on? Well, and you know what? It is a natural gas. Well, yeah. I mean, it is usable. The people in Argentina <laughs> apparently figured out how to, you know, they, they, they had that video was showing that they, you know, they were equating how much, you know, how far you could drive in a car with this gas that's converted, you know, if a car is converted, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think something like you can power a refrigerator one for one whole day with one cow's, you know, emissions for a day. Yeah, as long as you don't have to have that scent going into your refrigerator, <laughs> it should be okay. Yeah, well, that would be a deterrent to eat, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. All right. So what else is going on? Well, um, kind of related to that and climate change, there is a new documentary series you may have heard about that's uh, premiered on Showtime. It's called Years of Living Dangerously. Right. And so we're going. I'm going to post episode one in its entirety on the site for people oh, to watch. Very cool. Very cool. And it looks. Uh, I started watching it. I haven't gotten around to watching the whole thing yet. But and it, aren't we it's speaking to, to be amazing? Aren't we speaking to someone about this? Um, yes. Uh, leading up to episode four, I still have to schedule the interview, but it will be um, one of the people that's featured in the film. Um, We'll be interviewing her sometime around or before May 4th. Great. So I'm, I'm working on that right now. I actually have an email up yeah. um, about that. So I will get that arranged, and that will be a great, great interview. Yeah, it will. Definitely. Uh, was... We've got some good news. Good, good, good news. We need that. There were, let's see, Unilever, Shell, BT, and EDF Energy are among 70 leading companies that have called on governments across the globe to step up efforts to tackle climate change. And there's over 1,000 companies from more than 60 countries who have signed this, what they're calling the trillion-ton communique. All right. Trillion-ton meaning that's referring to the, the, the carbon that they want to get rid of? Yes. Or reduce um, by? They want to put 
policies in place to prevent the cumulative emission of more than a trillion tons of carbon. Wow. Good. So that's good news. That's very good news. And, and there's just been so much more media attention overall on, on these types of things. Did NBC you, did, just aired an hour-long special. Right, with Ann Curry? Yes, I on the effects of, of climate change. I started to watch it, and my family vetoed it, or we were doing something. Uh, so I recorded it, and I haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And I watched a few minutes, and it was really compelling right from the start. I love Ann Curry. Yeah, I'll put a preview of that and then a link to the full uh, the full show. Yeah, it's great that the media is starting to really pay attention. And mm-hmm. you know, it would be shame on them if they didn't at this point. And if a company like Shell is a yep. signatory on this, this whatever you want to call it. Well, they're calling it a uh, communique. I was never the good trillion in French. Trillion ton I took communique. French, but I was not good in it. <laughs> um, I think that says a lot. It does. It really does. Now, is there any action we should be focused on this week? Uh, watch the film. Okay. Years of Living Dangerously. Oh, it's an assignment. I like it. Sure. And then, you know, send a report. I'll put an action out there, too. And then send a report in. Uh... <laughs> Good. Exactly. All but right. But, no, I'll, ha- I'll have a link to an action related to climate change. Okay, Green Diva Lynn. All right. Well, this is great. Thank and you. And everybody should go to thegreendivas.com to see Lynn's very thorough report with all these great videos and resources. Indeed. Okay. Bye, Lynn. All right. Take care, Meg. To find out more about this Green Divas My Earth 360 report, visit thegreendivas.com. And to learn even more about climate change and environmental news, go to myearth360.com. Greetings, everyone. This is David Avocado Wolf, nutritionist, author, and chocolatier. And you're listening to The Green Divas. Listen close, tune in, and have the best day ever. Vibrant Health and Beauty radiates from the inside out. Get your glow on with Green Diva's health and beauty tips from natural skin care to creating healthier habits that make us sparkle. Okay, we have Kate Bartolotta back. I'm so excited. This is our first Green Diva's natural beauty and health, health and beauty, uh, whatever. And Kate is a perfect, perfect person to talk to us. And I think today we're going to talk about natural, healthy skin care. Yes. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to start off with is that besides what, um, you know, any particular regimen for caring for your skin, there really are three components to having great skin at any age. Um, the first one we can't really do anything about, and that's your genes. Yeah. You know, you, there's a certain amount of you get what you get, and... You know, if you had a parent that had terrible acne, chances are um, that's going to be a struggle for you as well. The second thing is, is what we put in our body, which I know you, you talk a lot about that on the different um, segments right. on the Green Diva show. Right. Right. And then the third thing being what we put on our body. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know for a long time, you know, as in terms of nutrition and, you know, and, and budgets and things, I always really emphasize more, um, you know, well, if I've got to spend, if I'm going to buy organic, I should really, you know, have it be the things that I'm eating or the things I'm putting in my body or, or for my children. Right. 
But, you know, when you think about the skin in terms of being our largest organ yeah. and it being porous and the fact that what we do put it on our skin is going into our bodies. So it really is, you know, it, it really is a consideration there too, but it doesn't have to be something expensive. Right. In fact, there are DIY things. Yes. Um, one of the things that I do that I feel is, is one of the best things I do for my skin is oil cleansing. Okay. You, know, we, you and I started talking about oil pulling a little bit the last time, right? Oh, yeah. That's a whole other uh, segment, right? <laughs> yeah. So with oil cleansing, there are products available, but it is also something you can do very simply on your own. Um, there are different oils that are better or worse for different skin types. Oily skin definitely does well with jojoba oil, which is actually a liquid wax more than an oil. Uh-huh. Um, and then drier skins or more sensitive skins can use like an argan oil or an apricot kernel oil. Okay. Or a blend of those. And you take about a nickel size amount up between your hands and rub your hands together to just emulsify it a little bit. And then you press it into your skin. And this is this is helpful whether you're a makeup wearer or not. Right. Um, and then with a, a warm, wet washcloth, you just press and, and um, remove it. You don't need to really scrub away at it. I actually have a video for you that I'll, when we get to oh, post up. Excellent. I have that up there, too. I love how-to videos. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is I think, you know, a lot of women especially know this about their hair, that, you know, washing it with really heavy detergents every day is going to make your hair look pretty awful. Right. Um, but I think a lot of people still are used to wanting that kind of squeaky clean feeling after they wash their face. On their skin, yeah. Right. And I, uh, one of the analogies I use is if you had a, a really beautiful um, silk dress. Right. You wouldn't, like, take your, you know, heavy-duty d- detergent and wash it, you know, and scrub it down every day and, and um, really, you know, put it through the ringer like that. You would want to treat it very gently. It's sort of the same way with our skin. You know, you don't want to be using a ton of harsh detergents on it. You don't want to be, um, you know, excessively hot water or really scrubbing away at it. You know, you want to treat it very gently. So oil cleansing is primarily for face, like facial? Primarily for face. Um, you could use it for the rest of your body. Uh, one of the There's a yoga um, practice called Abhayanga. It's an Ayurvedic practice of oiling up your body, a, a daily oil massage or a weekly oil massage. And I will sometimes do that before a shower, but I still would definitely use like a regular soap as well. Oh, this is great. And I had actually made oil for facial oil cleansing, uh, made my own, and I think I posted the recipe. So whenever, oh, nice. so I'll have to find the, the link and send it to you. And oh, if definitely. you want to include that, because all of this will be on thegreendivas.com. Um, Kate's going to give us the whole rundown and more details and a video. Yes, and I actually, uh, this summer, am launching um, an Etsy shop. I have a, a product I've been making uh, that's for oil cleansing or for moisturizing. Oh, good. I've been making it for friends and family, and it just as it grew in popularity, I decided to offer it on a larger scale. Well, perfect. Thanks so much, Kate, and I'm looking forward to uh, whatever we're talking about next. All right. Sounds great. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Are you sparkling yet? Well, you will be. For information on this segment and lots of other healthy green living information, 
visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Shopping should be fun, not frightening. That's why True Goods offers a consciously curated selection of non-toxic goods. Find a variety of healthy and natural products for house and home, the kids, and even those furry family members. Also check out the True Goods blog, The Goods, for engaging articles and useful resources. True Goods makes choosing a healthier, safer, cleaner lifestyle easy. Tell truth, shop good at TrueGoods.com. The Green Divas love food. Organic, local, fresh, whole, delicious food. Here now is another Green Diva foodie file. Green Diva Becky. Hi. I'm so excited because you've been very busy. I know you're, you know, you're a DIY diva with glue and glitter, but you're also a foodie and... Um, you've written a book. Yes, this is actually my second book. I was going to say, I, th- I think you've done other books, but have you done food books before? Yes. Um, my first cookbook was um, 40 Days of Green Smoothies. And oh, it's a that's... 40 day, and I um, knew that. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. It's been a little while. I think 40 Days came out in 2012, so I took my sweet time. Well, lordy, lordy, ancient history, two whole years, you know? <laughs> Times are changing. Everything's speeding up. Definitely. So tell me what this new book is about. Um, Well, since 2012, um, we have had a baby, and time has become not on our side very much. So, um, you know, we're kind of busy, and I noticed that my husband and I, even when I was pregnant, like while, you know, you get kind of more tired, (laughs) um, a little less ambitious. And we were just eating, we always ate a lot of bowls, but I think we were doing more of them. Um, I'm vegan, and my husband is an omnivore, um, but he pretty much eats what I cook. And I would do bowls a lot where it was like a layer of some kind of starch, like uh, rice or mashed potatoes, and then a veggie and a protein and maybe some toppings. And we would eat those sometimes every night. Yep during the week. They're super easy to make and they're super easy to make delicious to you. What a great... Um, I, I eat so that often. way, but I thought I was just, you know, kind of, you know, nuts. <laughs> no way. It's a, it's a staple. So, um, yeah, we were kind of t- throwing around ideas for my next cookbook and he was like, well, what about all these bowls we've been eating? So I started kind of keeping track and making a list and, and it's getting there. It's getting there. Yeah, I find that there are times when in the beginning of the week I would just make a big bowl of either like a brown rice pilaf or a quinoa pilaf of some kind, just kind of simple with veggies, and then I would eat it throughout the week. I would, you know, almost like stir-fried or whatever, refried, whatever, and throw more vegetables on it, fresh veggies, and shred some carrots, put some nuts, you know, whatever. Exactly. It's a great weeknight meal, and it's also kind of a great way to make sure you're getting all of your nutritional needs, too. You know, you have your whole grains on the bottom, and then a couple of servings of veggies on top of that, and then your protein, and you can top it off with things like nuts and herbs and things like that that you should be eating every day. So it's a nice way to get good nutrition on the go, I guess. 
It's an excellent way. And and I also like you can kind of customize it. Like me, I kind of like things like I'll throw a little sriracha or maybe a little rice vinegar for fun or whatever. And my husband loves um, tamari. So, you know, you can personalize them. Yes, and that's a big deal too in our house because I love super spicy food and my husband doesn't. So we can do our bowls and then he'll put just some soy sauce and I'll drown mine in sriracha or like a curry sauce or something exactly exactly yeah and And the way that i have the book set up is um there are some chapters of bowl recipes like bottom to top and then um the second half of the book is all just components so i have like cooking instructions for um whole grains and beans um and then suggestions for veggies that you can include in a chapter that's all just toppings that way you can build your own bowls after you sort of get a feel for it. Because I right. think people who don't, aren't into eating that way maybe might need a little help. So there's recipes at the beginning and then a component section. What a great, half. great idea. Because, yeah, once you get the structure down and you try it, you're like, wow. And you just get creative with your favorite ingredients or whatever you happen to have in the house, right? Yeah, I'm a big believer in empowering people to yep. you know, take the reins. I feel like recipes should be jumping off points. Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's the way I cook, and whenever I write a recipe, I'm always writing, you know, parenthetical, well, this is how I do it, but, you know, you could do this, or you could do that, or... <laughs> uh. Yes, I love options. That's always... It makes it more fun, and it's helpful, too, because, I mean, in real life, maybe maybe you don't have kale in the pantry, but maybe you have collard greens. Right, right. Exactly. Or you maybe have some in the garden. You happen to have stuff in the garden, right? Yeah, exactly. Soon. It, it lets people kind of mix things up and and give a sense of sort of how ingredients work because not everyone knows how to cook but i think recipes that are written in that flexible way can help you kind of learn right right that's always my goal when i'm writing a recipe i am so excited and you've got a post for the greendivas.com that's going to have one of these recipes for us yes it is a breakfast bowl with cheesy grits and um, it's topped with vegan mushroom bacon. Oh my! I am hungry for breakfast right now. <laughs> and I'm and and just... mushroom bacon is addictive. Oh yeah. And it, so bacon, bacon, or can you use like I use a you know some kind of vegan bacon tasting stuff? Um, you could use that instead. This is actually. Um, made with shiitake mushrooms and you season them and fry them up oh i see oh my gosh i can't wait okay i can't wait for that (laughs) becky thank you so much and i know we're going to talk to you again in a couple of weeks i'm sure with either a diy or some kind of foodie thing and i'm really looking forward to your book and we'll of course have you back right around when the book comes out to remind everybody yes it's going to be coming out this fall we don't have a set date yet but and mean, but it's coming soon. And meanwhile, go to the Green Divas. You'll see Becky's post, and you'll be able to connect with her there. Thank you, Becky. Thank you. Hope you're hungry. For more easy and delicious recipes and even more foodie information, go to thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Every Green Diva needs a sidekick. At the Green Divas radio show, they're called Green Dudes. Time now for a deeper shade of green from a guy's perspective. Always love having our friend Ed Brown, filmmaker and producer of Unacceptable Levels, a documentary. 
that should not be missed. Yeah, it's about chemicals in our bodies and how they got there. Yeah. Hi, Ed. Hi, how are you? I was just giving him crap before because he's not in the studio, but we'll get him back one of these days. It's We're lucky to have you by phone. Well, I, I appreciate that, and again, I, I really wish I could have made it back there today. It's always—it's a really great drive too over to New Jersey. And, uh, anyway, oh, yeah. but, New Jersey's uh, beautiful yeah. this time of year. Oh yeah, absolutely. The strip malls look fantastic. Uh, hey <laughs> now, someday we'll have leaves on the trees again. Yeah, right. Someday. Someday. Yeah, someday. Well, you've been a very busy man, and I know uh, your movie is making its way out into the world and and helping educate folks like us. Talk about what's going on lately with the movie. Well, you know, what we're trying to do is we're, we're setting a standard, I hope, a new one for other filmmakers to follow suit, where if you have a movie that's a social change film, uh, what better vehicle to use other than social media, right? So we're using the film to not just build awareness or to build our brand or to build the film's following. We're also trying to financially benefit nonprofits and companies that are helping nonprofits out there that are doing the right thing, trying right. to educate people about synthetic chemicals and what they're doing inside of our body. So, so on May 9th, we have a really huge worldwide kind of unique platform as we're working with a company called Yekra to okay. bring this film out there. And it's also it's a, it's a financial benefit. For everybody, but especially nonprofits that uh, that that you know are, are a champion of this of this issue. Of this issue being that we're trying to detox our world. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's a big challenge. And uh, you know, even at the beginning of my movie. I call it the biggest unnatural disaster that's ever happened in human history, and it is. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we haven't just polluted our land and it stops there, or the water and it's, or the air and it just stops there. We polluted ourselves uh, completely over the past hundred years, yeah. Yeah, the bioaccumulation. So uh, the trailer is amazing. I really just love the, the format. It's, you know, with such a critical issue that can, you know, levy so much fear and anger that um but ed handles it well because i've I've seen the film and i love the way that ed uses his kids and his family Mm -hmm. and because that's what people relate to you know i mean i know for me when i got involved in healthier green whatever you want to call it natural living i didn't think about that stuff really until i started having kids and then it was like wait wait a minute what's happening why Mm -hmm. is this happening yeah, I, I think that that's, that's where my motivation was drawn from as well. I mean, you know, as a parent, and, uh, and you, you know, you take every issue that comes up very seriously, whether it's their education or, you know, how they're doing it in a societal sense or behavior and everything. And you also sit back and think, you know, their health is of the utmost importance. So, you know, when I started digging into this issue and I started realizing that babies, my children are going to be born with over 200 synthetic chemicals inside of their bodies and how that might affect them in, in their lifetime, to me, is an egregious, you know, action uh, that, you know, companies have undertaken, that the government has undertaken. Um, and, you know, and I don't think everything was malicious, but we certainly have a problem. Right. And we have to address it. Well, and we'd like to think that government's looking out for us, and as we've learned over time, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, Whether it's for profit or for the next term in office or whatever the motivations might be, unfortunately, which is why it's so important that people educate themselves and 
and vote with their consumer dollars and choose the products and support the companies that are offering us the alternatives. I, I completely agree. I mean, uh, I get this question often about what are we supposed to do on a federal level. Now, that, to me, to get the elephant to move around in that room um, takes a pretty big peanut. And so, to me, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's a, <laughs> thanks for laughing. You've got to move the donkeys, too, not yeah. just the elephants. Yeah, and there's a lot of donkeys in there as well, sure. Okay. <laughs> you mean so, the asses, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> So we got some, some 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 circus and barnyard animals that exist inside <laughs> of the Beltway. You know, we're we're all in tune with that. But you know, I can't wait, and neither should anyone else wait for the federal government. It might take a year, it might take four years, it might take ten. It might not ever happen. A lifetime. I, I, you know, for us to wait for those changes at, at a federal level or a state and local level as well to happen, it, it's going to take some time. But you know, what I can do right now immediately is try to take some of these chemicals that are getting into me immediately and try to eliminate them from going in there in the first place. Right, right. And right. that means consumer. And that, that means, you know, educating yourself as a consumer, absolutely. Yeah, and hitting companies in the pocketbook where it really, you know, Well, and I love, I love the idea of, and we've, we've mentioned it all the time on the show, voting with your pocketbook, voting with your, your wallet, your voting fork. with your fork, mm-hmm. and supporting those small, maybe it's a small farm, you know, the small farming system in your area. Uh, you know that's not that's not using so much pesticides and not poisoning the soil and you know supporting that more than big ag or whatever i mean that's just one issue like you said there's so many whether it's the cosmetics industry the the furniture we buy that's laced with formaldehyde and flame retardants it's very upsetting so we can see that you've got a quite a few screenings coming up around the country prior to your big release it's wonderful that you're creating those partnerships and giving local organizations and communities the opportunity to start this really or, or reinforce this important conversation that many of them hopefully are already having. So can people um, kind of sign up or, or reach out to you somehow and, and create a screening in their community? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, that, it's the easiest thing you could ever do. Uh, you know, if you want this film to come to your town, it's pretty simple. You go to unacceptablelevels.com, you click on screenings, and you'll see some icons for tug, and you just go in there and say, you know what, I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I just watched Looney Tunes with my kid the other day, so that's where I got that one from. <laughs> but you know, if I live, you live in Albuquerque or Seattle, have to take or, your inspiration you know, or Newport Beach, you know, you can sit back and say, I, I really want to bring this film to my area, and, and, and in a communal a communal setting, that this is great for people to come out, get together start sharing ideas and start learning more about what's happening to ourselves. So you go into our website, you click on tug.com, you say, I want it to be on this date, I want it to be in this theater, bang, pretty simple. You'll get back a reply in a couple days, and then away you go. All you need to do is promote it, get the minimum amount of people to come out, and then you've got a screening, and then you've got a community working together and talking together. And, and, and I think that, that that's great. So we've given people the ability to watch this film a couple different ways. One's going to be online. One's going to be in the theaters if you choose to, and the other one will, of course, be DVDs, and that's going to be coming on June 10th. How exciting. That's yeah, really great. Yeah, I'm, I'm still working on I, I haven't got my act together yet to do a screening here, either in the old theater in Booton. Mm-hmm. We have a very, very cool uh, historic theater in Booton that does films. 
Oh, well, then I have to come over. Yeah, see, that, that, that's definitely uh, that, see? that's definitely going to get get me out over there, right? Okay, now I know how to get you out here. <laughs> and it's it's actually one of two theaters left in the country that's a reverse theater. It's an old vaudeville theater, and... Um, hmm. Uh, George Burns. Rear and, projection, huh? Yeah, it's actually fascinating. It, it's Well, you'd have to see it, but you can't go in there in the winter because it's kind of cold. Uh-huh. It's hard to hear. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah we've got so some... it's not climate controlled. Not so much. <laughs> not so much. Well, that makes for an enjoyable experience in winter, I would think. Um, well, if you can you light know. a bonfire in the middle... <laughs> They frown on that in theaters. And it just hasn't gotten warm enough to even think about it. But now that I'm speaking with you, I am definitely reminded and will put that in motion. Yeah, that would be great. I would absolutely love to do that. I think it's important uh, that, uh, you know, again, when you've got a community that like yours or anywhere else, basically, that can come out and they can rally around an issue, you'll start to see that the world will start to become a better place. Yeah, yeah. You know, and quickly as well. It doesn't. It's not going to take. It shouldn't take decades um, to get people behind this issue. Well, let's hope it doesn't. Yeah, I, it I seems really common sense. Now, explain yeah. to me also about this May 9th event and how people can get involved. You know, it's such a big deal. May 9th is uh, is is really what we what we want to do is twofold. We want to change the way films are being distributed uh, through nonprofits and through companies and through ourselves. Um, and also we want to spread awareness about this very serious issue that has long-term implications on everyone's health. So May 9th is so important because we want it to be a sea change in the way films are distributed. So um, what we want people to do, you know, you get in touch with a, a particular nonprofit like Healthy Child, Healthy World, okay. Safer, Chemical, Safer Chemicals, Healthy Family, yeah. or Environmental Working Group, you know, or Allergy Kids and stuff like that, and say, look, I want to help out your cause, and part of this, so if you rent the film on May 9th through a lot of different ways, go to yekra.com backslash unacceptable-levels, and you can watch it there. Or, you can watch or, it on our website. Or thegreendivas.com. Or thegreendivas.com, which is a really, really other great resource <laughs> for it, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and so that way... You're supporting local industry, and you don't even know it by renting this film. Sometimes you might not know it, I should say. And, uh, and of course, everybody over at Green Divas deserves a great deal of credit for promoting this and getting people to get excited about it. Wow. Why? It, you know, it's a major issue that everybody has to get this information. And they can share it and really help out Green Divas simultaneously. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's why it's a big deal. Well, we, you know, promoting... What you're doing in the film is easy because it's 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 well done. It's well intentioned. We love you, Ed, and we really want to see um, more people become educated through films like um, Unacceptable Levels. Well, I I can't say thank you enough. I mean, I could, but I and, I, and I'll keep trying. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to stop really, you. Know, you. I've, <laughs> I've always appreciated all the support. Everybody over at Green TV fantastic for the duration and uh you know ever since the first time we met you're, you're just you have a great show and everybody's so affable and nice and that, that's some of the things that I've, that I've found in this in this spectrum is that everybody's so pleasant and and cordial and and just you know everybody wants to get along and make make the world a better place um yeah and there's, there's a lot of spirit behind it. a lot more collaboration going on in this industry if you want to call it that whatever whatever this is this this green 
and it's it's some of it's about business and some of it's about sharing and and helping each other out and I don't know it's just a different philosophy than the corporate world of the you know last the century almighty dollar right? the last century that's so last century that's right we're the, we're the new millennium <laughs> yeah yeah well thank you for the great work <laughs> yeah, you're doing yeah I like that <laughs> all right well I'm going to organize myself to get a um to get a showing here, a viewing here, and I will, you know, I'll work it out so you can be here with us. Awesome. That would be great. Terrific. Look Thanks. forward to meeting you. Thanks for calling, Ed. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you again, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a great one. Want more information on this Green Dude segment and other ideas for low-stress green living? Go to thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Green Divas get to talk to so many inspiring people, who each in their own way is helping us find a deeper shade of green. Here's just one of them. Enjoy. Okay, so this is a really interesting interview with a guy named Will Potter, who is an author, journalist, and activist. And I really enjoyed watching this video of him where he talks about that fine line between journalism and activism, mm -hmm. because once in a while I'm in the same boat. Yep. But he's written a book called Green is the New Red, which is fascinating and a little bit scary yeah. and very important to hear about. Hi, Will. Hi, how are you doing? We're good. Thanks for joining us today. I'm really curious to hear more about your experience, because it sounds like the book um, really came from an experience you had after handing out leaflets. That's right. In a lot of ways, it did. Um, I was working at the Chicago Tribune and covering what we call Top Shop, you know, blood and guts and breaking news and right. uh, kind of whatever came up, writing a lot of obituaries as well. And uh, it was leaving me feeling pretty depressed. I mean, it's not the type of journalism I wanted to do, even though it was a fantastic job to have. And I had a background doing some activism in college, so I decided just to go out with a local group hanging door knockers. Right. animal testing, you know, and I thought it'd be a safe way to do something, something positive, something different, and, you know, I, of course, have the absolute worst luck ever, and we were all arrested for that, right. and uh, oh. I had never been arrested before, and, you know, I was worried about that, but the charges were all thrown out, and the important part of the story, though, was a couple weeks later, two FBI agents knocked on my door, and they told me that unless I helped them spy on protest groups, by being an informant, they would put me on a domestic terrorist list. Seriously? Oh and it really was... Say again, sorry? No, I'm just, I'm, we're both just incredulous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, and I was as well. I mean, I was... I couldn't believe it, but I was also terrified. And I was, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways ashamed of how afraid I was because learning of social movements and especially having done... And activism, um, you know, you're, there's kind of this feeling that you shouldn't even show any fear with things like that. And right, it bothered me. I didn't, I didn't know what would happen. And I was, I was really scared by it. Right, um, like you're supposed to be proud. Like it's a badge of honor to have your, you know, your bail taken. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's like this machismo kind of kicks in, and you're not supposed to worry about it. It's like uh, just some scene points, you know, and it really upset me. I didn't know what any of it meant. Um 
I, I think a lot of us, we really still don't know what that means to yeah. say you're on a domestic terrorist list. But after that initial you know, wave of fear subsided, I really became obsessed with finding out how this happened. And then I saw um, much more serious things happen to friends of mine and criminal prosecutions. And um, that's how I really became immersed in this issue. And I decided um, to write about it and to focus on it in my journalism. So part of it is civil liberties, which after 9-11, nobody knows exactly what domestic terrorism is because it seems to be a catch-all for anything that uh, somebody somebody doesn't like. Oh, well, put them on the, you know. And, and, you know, it's like you see television shows that, you know, cop TV shows or FBI shows that kind of bring that element in and you think, oh, come on, they're just dramatizing. But apparently not. And I think that's exactly right. I mean, after 9-11, a lot of people started using this rhetoric as that catch-all, as just this fluid brand to go after their political opponents, to go after radicals and dissidents and um, immigrants, most uh, you know, most vulnerable after September 11th. Muslim communities were right. and still are harassed uh, severely and facing severe um, persecution just by the nature of their skin and their beliefs. Um, but it is that fluidity that really, I think, is most dangerous for our civil liberties and how easily that can be exploited. I mean, I think most people would be shocked to learn that when rescue crews were still trying to save people from the Twin Towers and still in there, in the rubble, smoke was still coming out of the building, right. you had uh, politicians and industry groups and corporations publicly saying that they thought environmentalists were responsible for 9-11. Really? I mean, that's how eager uh, some of these people were to exploit that tragedy to push their agenda. And, of course, environmentalists had nothing to do with that, but that rhetoric um, still permeates a lot of this discussion. Well, on the one hand, it's it's got one good element, and that is that it must mean that environmentalists and the environmentalism movement is working because it is threatening some of the, the established yeah. yeah it's not like a good thing that they get threatened about it but that it is um shaking things up a bit that's how i view it as well i mean i think we have to view it that way because the activists that i write about and certainly these movements as a whole even have very little money, uh, very little resources. Um, in the scheme of things, very few people who are actually out there doing this work, even though the public sympathy is there. And with those um, restrictions, they've challenged and threatened some of the most powerful industries on the planet to the point where they are fighting back um, and flailing back in this reactionary way in an attempt to silence them. I think the only way to explain that is how effective they've been. And even when you look into the publications by these groups, statements by politicians, they really view it in those terms, that these people are changing, uh, not only threatening corporate profits, but threatening cultural values, changing how we view the world. And that's absolutely right. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm chuckling because, you know, for... For environmentalism to be a danger to um, cultural values is just like doesn't make sense to me at all. Mind-boggling, yeah. Right. So it's great that you've chronicled all these, you know, techniques that 
are being used against the activist. Uh, does the book offer some strategies for you know protecting yourself or alternative strategies that kind of head some of these mechanisms off at the pass, or is that the next book? <laughs> and that's always the hardest question, right? You know, what do we do? How do we respond? Right, with the and lack I really of resources. approach like all this from the perspective of, I don't know. I mean, in a lot of ways, I, I began doing this work because I had no idea what else to do. And I think a lot of us struggle with that. I mean, to me as a journalist especially, I think our first response has to be taking a hard look on what's actually happening. Right. Most people just don't know. Even most people who are environmentalists or activists just don't know. And I think, you know, at the, the start of the segment, you mentioned it can be terrifying and intimidating, and it can. But I think there's power in looking at the truth and examining it and, and kind of holding in your hand and dissecting what actually has happened. Um, and it gives us a lot of power to move forward. Because now we're seeing this stuff pop up all over the world. I mean, these same tactics are appearing in many other countries um, as corporations kind of move internationally. And mm -hmm. I think this, to me, the book is a working document. I mean, I attempted to examine what's going on, but we have to take it and learn from it as we're doing our, our work and our activism. Yeah, and I would expect as we learn more and educate ourselves on what are the tactics of the day, right. you know, with the resources these entities have to adjust and develop the next um, technique for, you know, the same kind of impacts that See, we've no, got to, you know, they're always going to be one step ahead and we're uncovering right. the, the latest uh, trends. See, I'm one of those people that I, I'm not sure I would call myself an environmentalist, even though I obviously, you know, do what I do and and help to uh, get, you know, get the word out on, on environmental issues. Um, but I, I, I feel like I just am under, the, under a rock when it comes to the realities of activism. And, and Green Diva Lynn, there was some, some event against the uh, Keystone Pipeline, mm -hmm. and she was told, be prepared to be arrested. Mm-hmm. And, and she was like, I'm a little nervous, but I think I'm going to do it. And I'm like, <laughs> sign me up. Yeah, you know, like that, that part, that rebellious the teenager in me honor. is like, yes, I'm in. Um, and actually, I, I, I really – I'm not running for office. I don't care if I have a record. But do I want the FBI knocking on my door and calling me an environmental terrorist? You know. Well, and I think that's the power of all of this because the truth is that um, even if you're out there every day with – civil disobedience and protest, and even if you're out there doing illegal things, the, the odds are that you will not be labeled in that way. You will not be sentenced to prison as a terrorist. You won't end up in uh, a prison unit for terrorists. But the power of all of right. this is right. that it makes you wonder that. Right. And from a First Amendment perspective, lawyers would call that a, a chilling effect, meaning all of this climate doesn't make it illegal for you to go protest the Keystone XL pipeline, but it, it chills it because you have to pause and think, well, is, am I able to do that? What would happen if I did? I mean, is that really a risk I can take? What about my family and my right. kids and my job? And yeah. um, that's not something anybody should have to make. So it's really an attack on our, our First Amendment rights by making us uh, think about that fear rather than how we want to express ourselves. Well, and, and the, the, our country was essentially founded on rebellion and revolution. Um, and, you know, uh, what was it Jefferson, and I'm terribly paraphrasing, said something like, we, you know, we should have a revolution every, 
every once in a while. I'm totally paraphrasing. <laughs> I can't even. But but essentially, what he was saying was that you know, in order to keep things um, honest, basically, and to keep our government honest, we yeah. really have to you know shake it up a bit. And I don't I don't know, man. So well, it's, you know, it's, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable to point out that the founding of this country involved tactics that were much more radical than anything we've seen in the environmental movement. Oh, no, I mean, we, we were all, absolutely you know, terrorists. We, Colon, our colonists <laughs> were absolutely terrorists by definition. There's, there's no doubt about it, but it just it goes back to the cliche of, you know, what's the difference between the terrorist and freedom fighter? And um, I think the only answer to that is that the freedom fighter won. I mean, when you look at it, back at past social movements, no matter what they did, if we now have adopted those values, we regard them as heroes, whereas if we, as a culture, generally speaking, don't, they're regarded as villains or terrorists. And, you know, I think that's, you know, a very wide generalization, but we see that over and over and over again. Um, my colleague Ryan Shapiro is suing the FBI and CIA right now to find out about how they persecuted and were involved in the imprisonment of Nelson Mandela, who really? was later viewed as a hero. Um, this is all very fluid. Yeah. Wow. So we, we should remind our listeners that um, at willpotter.com, you can get uh, more information on, on your body of work, which is great. I see oh, that you've been a contributing author to some of the uh, books that are being used to educate our next generation he's of also, leaders and a, activists. He's also and a TED Talk guy. I saw that. I'm yeah. like so impressed. <laughs> yeah, I just got back from a, a TED conference and I'm still a little delirious from it. It's a pretty <laughs> incredible experience. And also, I will say on their site, I noticed that you can shop. And I'm like, what, what am I shopping for? Like a, a book? And then I realized not only can you get the book, but there's a hilarious um, couple of items, like the, the, the apron that says domestic terrorist. Get it? Yeah, right? you know, when I went to, to journalism school, they never told me I would uh, in part be selling novelty aprons alongside the book. But, you know, this, is, this is a state of uh, independent journalism right now. Folks, Entrepreneurship. So. <laughs> oh, exactly. believe me, I know. this. I'm, I'm in that boat with you. But, you know, keeping a sense of humor about it, I had to just ma- mention it because it, it really made me laugh out loud. I-L-O-L'd. You see the picture of the uh, the vegan woman? I can't remember her name. Uh, Paul's looking right now. But, yeah, so people, you got to go to uh, green is the new red dot com, correct? That's right. And um, check out Will's work. Uh, it's it's amazing. It's great. It's important. And I obviously have a lot to read up on. And I don't have the book in my hot little hands, but I will have the book in my hot little hands pretty soon. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And what's next for you? What's coming up? Um, well, I'm doing a lot of traveling right now related the book and also just how these tactics are spreading internationally. Um, I head down to Australia in a couple of weeks for a, a six-week tour because we have these bills that are popping up in the U.S. that make it illegal to take photographs of animal yes. cruelty on farms, including environmental pollution as well. Mm-hmm. And now these are appearing in Australia and other countries. So I'll be going down there for a, a long speaking tour to try to raise awareness and help um, attorneys and uh, activists down there try to shut these down. 
Well, I'm excited that you're you're working with trying to help raise awareness about the laws that are in place because I think people need to understand and get active. And are you would you consider yourself a civil civil liberties activist? You know, I always shy away from that um, term of calling myself an activist yeah. because so much of what I do is it's just education. Got it. But I, I mean, I have a very clear point of view on this, and I'm and I'm open about it. I don't talk about protest campaigns and right. how to be an activist, but I do have a very clear um, perspective I put out there on First Amendment rights. So right. I guess that's true. I mean, if I'm an activist on anything, I'd be on the, the First Amendment. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for all you do, and I, I know that you assist journalists all around the country and the world on you know, taking your story and sharing it with other people to broaden the awareness of these critical issues. Well, and that, and that's what, you know, we're independent media and journalists of, of sorts. I don't know that I always call myself a journalist because sometimes I'm not so sure. But uh, I, I know, but we know that, the journalists. But we know who they are. <laughs> but we're grateful for the work you're doing because, um, you know, it's, it's going to help us in the long run. All of us. Thank you so much, Will. Thanks for calling in, and we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. I'd be happy to, to talk uh, anytime. Terrific. Keep up the great work. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed that as much as they did. Please visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. For more fun podcasts and information on the Green Divas and low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. Well, um, you know. That was an action-packed show. Yeah. We were busy, huh? Very busy. And we're so much more intelligent than when we started. Well, there, it, it, seriously, there is like so much good information in there. And I hope you enjoyed the show. And I hope that, um, you know, you'll check in with thegreendivas.com. Don't forget the dude. And, and our green dude, yes. Paul. Thank you so much for being with us too, Have Paul. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Green Divas radio show. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcast on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, Swell Radio, and Spreaker. Get social with the Green Divas on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Subscribe to the Green Divas YouTube channel to watch them in action. And for all the latest good green news, visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com.